Hi, you've just downloaded or otherwise accessed a podcast of Cross Point Church and the teaching ministry presented through our weekly Sunday morning worship. Feel free to burn a copy of this file when you're finished and pass it along to a friend you think might also benefit from the teaching. We hope you enjoy the message today, and thanks again for taking the time to visit. Sometimes I fear, or sometimes I think our fear is so so great and palpable of the Holy Spirit that we, we feel like we need an exterminator for Him sometimes. That we've uh, our knowledge of Him is so limited. Depending on your church background, how you were raised, you you may have grown up hearing a lot about the Father and a lot about the Son, but a little about the Spirit. And uh, shame on the kingdom, shame on on churches who don't address the Holy Spirit as they should because he, as the scripture teaches us, comes in to abide and live, take up permanent residence with us at salvation, seals our relationship with God and uh, provides truth to our our, our hearts, confirmation to our hearts about who God is, um, guides, directs, leads us. um, And so this it is not accidental that John addresses this essential here in the Holy Spirit and hearing the Holy Spirit as essential number two here in this book of First John. As we looked at a couple of weeks ago, he started out by saying, follow me, and here's why. Here's what I've seen. Here's what I've experienced. Here's what I know. Here's what I put to the test and know to be true. So that te- my testimony is worth following, worth you paying attention to what I have to write and, and say to you. And last week, we looked at this uh, essential of obedience and how pivotal it is in the life of a believer. And today we hear this essential number two is hearing the Spirit, the Holy Spirit's word to us, how he works, how he speaks. So join with me, if you will, in chapter two, verse 15 15 through 28. Do not love the world or anything in the world. If you love the world, the love of the Father is not in you. For everything in the world, the cravings of sinful people, the lust of their eyes, the boasting about what they have and do, do, comes not from the Father, but from the world. The world and its desires pass away, but whoever does the will of God lives forever. Dear children, this is the last hour, and as you have heard that the Antichrist is coming, even now many Antichrists have come. This is how we know it is the last hour. They went out from us, but they did not really belong to us. Or if they had belonged to us, they would have remained with us. But their going showed that none of them belonged to us. But you have an anointing from the Holy One, and all of you know the truth. I do not write because you do not know the truth, but because you do know it, and because no lie comes from the truth. Who is the liar? It is whoever denies that Jesus is the Messiah. Such a person is the Antichrist, denying the Father, and the Son. No one who denies the Son has the Father. Whoever, whoever acknowledges the Son has the Father also. As for you, see that what you have heard from the beginning remains in you. If it does, you will also remain in the Son and in the Father. And this is what he promised us, eternal life. I'm writing these things to you about those who are trying to lead you astray. As for you, The anointing you receive from him remains in you, and you do not need anyone to teach you, but as his anointing teaches you about all things, and as that anointing is real, not counterfeit, just as it has taught you, remain in him. 
Okay, let's pull four things from this text today, I think, that will give us a greater revelation into the understanding and work of the Holy Spirit. The first is this, is that hearing the Holy Spirit is about positioning. It's about positioning. Look at 15 to 17 again. Do not love the world or anything of the world. If you love the world, the love for the Father is not in you for it. Everything in the world, the cravings of sinful people, the lust of their eyes, the boasting about what they have and do, comes not from the Father, but from the world. The world and its desires pass away, but whoever does the will of God lives forever. I wonder how much of our time is invested in earthly achievement, earthly acceptance, and earthly acquisition. Think about that with me. How much of your time daily is spent in earthly achievement, earthly acceptance, or earthly acquisition? Nothing evil about any of those things, but those aren't eternal things. And I wonder, this idea of our being in the world, if our identity is in the world and of the world rather than in Christ. We can't have a foot in the world and a foot in the kingdom at the same time. That's what he says in verse 15. Do not love the world or anything of the world. If you love the world, the love of the Father is not in you, he says. Pretty, pretty stark. Uh, he says it's impossible to have a foot in the world and a foot in the kingdom and please God at the same time. We can't please him if we can't hear him, though. And I wonder how much of what we value is going to burn up. Uh, verse 17, the world and its desires pass away, but whoever does the will of God lives forever. Um, I wonder how, how, how much legacy we think we have in terms of our witness, witness living after us in this world to those behind us, coming behind us. Um, our, all of us have love for our kids and love for our, our families and, and, and as well we should. But I wonder if we value our kids based on what they've accomplished instead of based on who they are. I wonder that. We're in a world of, of, of acquisition and accomplishment and achievement, and nothing wrong with any of those things, but I wonder if our value is placed on those we love or what they've accomplished instead of who they are. Churches aren't exempt from that line of thinking as well. Um, Francis Chan mentions this in his book, Forgot, Forgotten God. He said, the benchmark of success in church services has become more about attendance and the movement of the Holy Spirit. But when believers live in the power of the Spirit, the evidence in their lives is supernatural. The church cannot help but be different, and the world cannot help but notice. Uh, that's a great resource for you. Great book on the Holy Spirit. Uh, probably the best I've read, in fact, in, in my lifetime on, on the perspective of the Holy Spirit, how he works, how he speaks, how he talks uh, to, to us and, and lives and wants to live through us. This is one of, I think, two or three copies in, in the toolbox back there, if you'd like to look at, that, look at that further. But it's a great, great resource on the Holy Spirit. But it's about positioning. Hearing the Holy Spirit is about our position uh, in, in Him to say, am I in, in and of this world or am I in and of God? That, that positioning is key for us hearing Him because if we're caught up in things of this world, He, he can't and won't get through the clutter to speak to us. So it's about our positioning. Secondly, hearing the Holy Spirit delivers confirmation. It delivers confirmation. Look at 18, 23 again with me. It says, Dear children, this is the last hour. As you have heard that the Antichrist is coming, even now many Antichrists have come. This is how we know it's the last hour. They went out from us, 
But they really did not belong to us, for if they belonged to us, they would remain with us. But their going showed that none of them belonged to us. But, watch this, you have an anointing from the Holy One, and all of you know the truth. I do not write because you do not know the truth, but because you do know it, and no lie comes from the truth. John was writing here both in the present and in the prophetic, in that present day, that day, and was writing for our day here as well, about those who are antichrist, those who, not, not, not the antichrist himself, but those who were antichrist, uh, those who didn't see Jesus as Messiah, didn't, didn't, didn't see him as God. Um, political correctness has taken the place of God's word, and well, more, more, more accurately, cultural correctness. I don't know how much of it is political. Some of it probably is, but cultural correctness has taken the place of God's word as the standard by which right and wrong are measured in our day and time. Um, in large part, it's whether it offends anyone or not. If what you believe or say or do is offensive, then you, you are asked or supposed to keep your mouth shut. Uh, because we're, we don't want to offend anyone. Um, well, I'm offended by political correctness, if you don't know the truth about it. Um, in, in, in the 60s, when the Supreme Court passed the law that the Lord's Prayer could not or should not be recited in schools anymore, that, that began a domino effect, in my view, of, of attempts, successful attempts to Madeline Murray O'Hare and others to, to remove Christ from the marketplace, not only from our educational systems, but from, from the marketplace as well. It, it's, uh, it's been an intentional onslaught. It has been ratcheted up in the last probably 10 years, more so than any other time in my life that I remember. Um, but it is, it, is, it's, it, it, is, it is essential that we understand what we know and that we know what we believe and why we believe it. So, how do we have confirmation then that we're standing in the right place? Well, it is the Spirit of God confirming the Word of God that we know we're in the right place. Those two work together in tandem, this book says, and one of the greatest works of the Spirit is to teach us what this book says and confirm to us its truth, to say, this, this, is, this is what you know, this is what you believe and why you should believe it and why you should take a stand on it confirming the Word of God with the Spirit of God. So when our position then is based in the Word and confirmed by the Spirit, we have, that's why all three forms of the Godhead are mentioned in this passage. We have the power of the Trinity working on our behalf. When we understand that the Word was inspired by the Father, was lived out and sacrificially shown in, in, the, in the embodiment of Jesus himself, and then poured out in the, in the form of the Spirit into our lives at salvation, he says, when, those, when you realize the power that you have in possessing those things as a believer, it ought to cause us to live differently. It ought to, it ought to confirm our, our values, our, th th those doctrines, those principles that, that transform us that we live by. Um, the, the antichrists or the counterfeits, he's saying here in these verses, uh, they, they will not acknowledge Jesus as God and, and as I said, are even offended by that. Uh, it's amazing to me how the crowd that speaks tolerance is so intolerant of Jesus. Uh, it's, it's blows my mind uh, the things we absorb and think are right and true and good when if we know 
know him as we should know him and understand his word and are listening to his spirit. Those things, we can see those things that come from the pit of hell because they smell like smoke and we can recognize them when we know what to, what to believe and what to be true. So, Holy Spirit is about, uh, hearing him is about positioning. It delivers confirmation. Thirdly, hearing the Holy Spirit comes with a promise. Look at verses 24 and 25. It comes with a promise. As for you, see that what you heard from the beginning remains in you. If it does, you will also remain in the Son and in the Father. And this is what he promised us, eternal life. Those who remain in the truth from, from the beginning, he's saying here, in essence, he's saying the things you've been, those, those bedrock truths and principles that you've been taught from the beginning, as those things remain in you, uh, that, that's what you need to know and believe going forward. Listen to how Ephesians chapter 1 puts this, verses 13 and 14 says, And you were also included in Christ when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked in him with the seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is the deposit What's this? Guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession in the praise of his glory. Uh, he's saying that the, that the Spirit seals that relationship between us and the Father. And that, that, that the promise of that is eternal life. Now, the key to that, as he said here, is that you remain in the Son and in the Father. This idea of remaining is arriving and staying. Arriving intentionally at a place, a position of belief, and standing in that place firmly, regardless of the winds and trials that blow our way. That's not easy to do in our culture anymore. In fact, it's not even easy to do in church sometimes, sadly, is to arrive at a place where we know we're in the right place, we're in the right position as far as our beliefs are concerned, and stand in that place, regardless of the opposition that comes against us. But uh, how do we do that? Well, we do that according to what he says here, in the strengths that the Spirit provides, based on the truth of who Jesus is in light of the fact that he is Messiah, he is God's Son. As we stand in the strength and knowledge that the Spirit provides, we understand that the, the prize is eternal life. That, that, and I don't know why we, we expect life to work here to the extent that we do, uh, that we expect to be comfortable here to the, here to the extent that we can be. Uh, because the promise here, he says, eternal life... It, 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 it is, and hear what I'm about to say, not as derogatory, but as just hopefully enlightening. The work of the Spirit's, uh, Spirit's the role of the Spirit's work in our life is, is not so that this life is better for us. Now, many times it can be better for us listening to and walking with the power of His Spirit because it'll give us greater understanding, gives us a greater sense of peace about who we are, what we know going forward. But our circumstances may not be better. In fact, sometimes walking with him, our circumstances can be worse. Yet, we can walk in the understanding that we're, we're where we are in God because of the work that Christ has done for us and the abiding, abiding of the Holy Spirit in us. We can walk in life in this world with a sense of peace and confidence because we know those things to be true regardless of what our circumstances say, regardless of what our life presently is saying uh, in, in terms of our, our, our carnal uh, outcomes. So that promise is a mighty promise of eternal life in, in, in the next life. It's the one that's supposed to work, not this one. We need to keep our eyes on that truth. It's about positioning. It's about confirmation. It comes with a promise. 
Fourthly and finally, the hearing the Holy Spirit is a learning experience. It's a learning experience, 26 and 27. It says, I'm writing these things to you about those who are trying to lead you astray. As for you, the anointing you received in him remains in you, and you do not need anyone to teach you, as his anointing teaches you about all things. And as that anointing is real and not counterfeit, just as it has taught you, you remain in him. Now, the, the, the term anointing that he's talking about here is, is the Holy Spirit himself. It's the anointed Holy Spirit that he's talking about. It's, it is in, in that form uh, that, he, that he's talking about. The Spirit in you knows best how to teach you because he knows you best. He knows, uh, he wants to teach us about himself, about his word, about how to handle all things that he says here. He, te he teaches you about all things. Um, I wonder if you realize you have the greatest teacher ever living in you day after day after day. It is, it is his power, uh, and the, the power of the Holy Spirit and his ability to teach us, that anointing that teaches us about what's truth versus what is, is error. Uh, it's, he knows what it takes to get our undivided attention, whether it's, it's suffering, whether it's a health issue, whether it's financial, whether it's loss. And their power to remain, as he says here, or to stay in that place when things get hard is in the Holy Spirit living in you. That's where the power comes from. He's the great teacher. And, and if that's true, and it is, then all of life is a lesson. The good places are lessons. The hard places are lessons. The places where I don't understand, don't get it, are lessons. The places where it's obvious even are still lessons. All of life is a lesson when we understand that he is the teacher. Now, it's a pretty bold statement here in verse 27 when he says, you do not need anyone to teach you, but as his anointing teaches about all things, and that, as that anointing is real and not counterfeit, just as it has taught you, remain in him. What is he saying? He's saying, you test everything Parker tells you on Sunday. You test it all by the word and all by the spirit. Because you can trust what the Holy Spirit's going to, t going to tell you to be true. In fact, I have at times, and I'll probably do this more as I think about it, tell you something that's untrue to see if you'll challenge me on that. See if you say, where's that at, Parker? I've not heard that somewhere. Um, he, is, he is the one who can be trusted. Don't, and don't hear me say, don't trust pastors, don't trust religious leaders. That's not what I'm trying to say at all. I'm trying to say, when it comes to when it comes to understanding what God has to say to you, about you, and for you, listen to his spirit. His spirit will never lead, lead you in, in the wrong direction about you and your future and what is right, a situation right for you or not. He knows you better than anybody and will teach you better than anybody, including me, uh, about what, what, what that best road and route is for you. A.W. Tozer has said this, we may, may as well face it, the whole level of spirituality among us is low. We've measured ourselves by ourselves until the incentive to seek higher plateaus in the things of the Spirit is all but gone. We have imitated the world, sought popular favor, manufactured delights to substitute for the joy of the Lord, and produced a cheap and synthetic power to substitute for the power of the Holy Ghost. Whew. Stark but true, in my opinion, because, one... We're afraid of what we don't understand. And if we don't understand the work of the Spirit in us, we, we consequently have fear of giving him freedom. 
to take over in our lives. Uh, when, we, when we understand that he knows us best and knows what's best for us, it's far easier to let go of that, that control and that, that, that influence and let him have it. Well, what are the takeaways? Question, first of all, and that's this. When's the last time that you know without a doubt you, you heard the Holy Spirit of God speaking to you? When's the last time you know that? Without a doubt. If it's been a while, I would suggest maybe you're out of position. You're not in a position to hear his voice, to hear him speak to you as you should. Maybe you're not making the connection between the Word of God and the Spirit of God. We read the Word, sounds great, but there's not, it, it doesn't resonate in our heart. It, 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 doesn't, it, it doesn't jump off the page to us, as sometimes has been said. It's the Spirit's job to make the Scripture do that. Uh, that that's, that's what I talk about when, I'm, when I talk about being out of, out of position, is the Spirit's not confirming to us the Word. It, it's either A, because we're not in it, or B, because we're in it, and uh, our, we're not listening to the, to the Spirit to use it, allowing Him to use it in the way that He wants to. The final truth is this. He's still speaking every day. Are we hearing Him? He's speaking every day to us. I wonder if we're hearing him. Or I wonder if he has to work through the clutter in your life and mine to be heard. The clutter of a job, the clutter of a hobby, the clutter of bills, clutter of, of perhaps some sickness or health issues. I wonder if he's got to climb over the clutter to be heard in your life and my life. Can I share with you a harsh truth that I've learned the hard way? He won't compete for your time. He will not compete for your time. You have to willingly give him that. Lay it down and let him have it. If, if I'm wondering why I'm not getting it's what I need to from his word and his, and his spirit, it's largely because I'm not listening to one and reading the other. I've got to get my nose in this book to see and hear what he has to say to me to understand it and in turn, in turn apply it to my life. But if I'm not giving him the time to do that, he's not going to knock the door down. He's going to want it opened on our side. Then, then I guess the final question is, if we're hearing him at all, going back on last week's truth, are we obedient to it? Are we obedient to what we're hearing? Are we, as I talked about a couple of weeks ago, are we living out the things we already know to be true? Is the sponge being squeezed out at all? Or does it stay full all the time? And, and we have no room for, for any, any new, new information, any, any new word from God by way of His Spirit. If we're not living out what we already know, we're not going to be seldom hungry for, for more. But when we do, we start to apply the things we know, we start to get hungry to say, I'm empty. And God, I need you to fill me back up again. And we get back to His Word and back to His Spirit. And we live that out. And we get empty again, and we got to go fill up again. And we empty ourselves again, and fill up again. And that's what a growing faith looks like. Empty and full, empty and full, empty and full. And as I'm, as I'm living out the things that I know, God gives me more, shares more with me, reveals more to me about himself. My understanding of him increases. My understanding of how he speaks to me and walks in my life increases. My witness increases. My influence increases. All because I started to live out the little things. And God started to show me some deeper things because of that. 
It is the Spirit's role to, to teach us, the anointing's role to teach us in those places and in those ways, but we've got we to gotta desire Him, stop being fearful of Him, stop being afraid of what He's going to lead us to do or say, trust His, trust his judgment more than we trust our own, and be willing to hear Him and heed what He has to say. Let's pray. Father, today, the Spirit is in this room not because it's a church building, because we brought him here. Each one of us who know you as Savior brought the presence of the Spirit here in our hearts today. And as we walk into this room with him, he shows up collectively among us as we worship, as we examine your word, as we pray. It is the collective power of the Spirit from heart to heart to heart to heart that energizes this place with your presence and your power. There's nothing magical about this room. It's just bricks and mortar and carpeting and chairs. and It's otherwise empty apart from our bringing you into this place as we come. This is a holy place because you are holy, not because there's anything sacred about it. So would you teach us the power of the Spirit in us is the key to the power of the Spirit around us. The key of the Spirit's living in our lives speaking through our hearts and our living that truth out in this, in this world and in our culture is the key to our seeing him at work not only in us but around us as we live out truth that we already know. The around us starts to have more significance. We start to recognize your, your hand at work. We start to see the only things that you could do that we could not do on our own. But we got we to believe in your ability to do that. We got to seek you out and search your ways and search, search the scripture to find ourselves in that place of obedience. Because obedience is where we find our, our greatest understanding of the Holy Spirit. It's not in more knowledge. It's not in more information. Yes, we should grow and learn more, be hungry for more. But it's the obedience that causes, causes that hunger to grow. It's the obedience that causes us to have a desire for more of you. And as we do, as we see your hand at work in our lives, and we live that out to those around us. The, the, the witness in our culture be, is, is brought to bear. The, 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 the stance, the power, as we read here just a moment ago, to remain, the power to stand when it's hard. We see that more in reality when we understand how you work, how you speak, how you tickle around our hearts, how you use a song, a word, a prayer, a word of encouragement. Teach us to be those kinds of folks that aren't afraid of your spirit, but will step into its presence with sometimes maybe a lack of understanding, but not with fear. Not with fear because you know what's best for us always and have our good at heart always. We can trust you. Walking in the truth of that trust is what you've called us to today and every day. And let's squeeze that out this week. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks again for listening to today's message from Cross Point Church, helping people navigate the journey toward an authentic, biblical, and contagious walk with Christ. 